This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. You're listening to Nirat Ombele on Power 98.7. Yes, and just listening to that voter uh, registration drive, remember there's going to be a voter registration uh, drive this weekend. Uh, any new voters, anybody who's changed your district, please go and sign up. Your vote is your power. And if you feel, oh, I don't feel like standing in a queue, please just look on the IEC website and you can register online. You can do it literally through an SMS, but make sure you register so that you can exercise your your right to vote. By not doing it, I think you forfeit the right to complain if things don't go your way uh, at the end of the year. We're not the only country that's headed to the election. So is the U.S. of A. And uh, whereas before we thought, okay, uh, it's just an election between Biden and whoever the GOP candidate is going to be. There are a few surprises. And one of those is it looks like could be the reemergence of Donald Trump. Of course, he would need to get uh, the endorsement of many, many states uh, in order to qualify for the primaries of that uh, Republican race and then win that race and then emerge as the candidate. But uh, the trends so far are telling us that we might be looking at a Trump 2.0. And what would that mean? We're in conversation now with Pearl Matibe, who's an independent uh, Washington-based foreign affairs correspondent and media commentator. Pearl, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, and Pearl, it must be really, really late for you. So thank you for staying up. We really appreciate it. And we also have Brooke Spector, Associate Editor at the Daily Maverick and former U.S. diplomat in South Africa. Brooks, good morning. Good morning, Lerato. Good to be with you again. Great stuff. Okay, let's speak to Pearl because you are right there in D.C. watching things in real time. What is happening from where we sit? We're being told, don't discount Trump. He might be uh, coming back to contest whether he wins or loses. Is that what's happening? Uh, It's no longer a question of might be. Uh, Right now, if you take a look, um, it, it is seeming right now that the 2024 election cycle is already in high gear. Americans are weighing their options for their next commander in chief. The primary election process is well underway with many states across the country already, uh, you know, kind of seeing the path, certainly on the Republican uh, political party side. So the latest developments are uh, that it seems that the path for the Republican, Republican nominee for president of the United States is becoming clearer and clearer by the day. And certainly, uh, barring any unforeseen legal issues or any health emergencies, mm. it's almost a certainty, not a maybe. It's almost a certainty that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee in 2024. And so help us understand what that is, because he's had legal issues around his taxes, around bribery allegations, around uh, releasing of classified information. A lot of things have been said, and there have been a lot of court appearances, FBI investigations, all dramatic. So how does he qualify this time around? And even though we've seen him going state to state to get the endorsement to uh, be the Republican candidate, candidate, not every state has said yes. Well, right now, on the Republican field, they've already held two 
primary elections, right? Mm. One was in the state of Iowa and one was in the state of New Hampshire. Mm. So he had a very recent uh, significant victory in New Hampshire over Nikki Haley, mm. who is the second, uh, the only other person right now uh, that is another viable candidate on the primary election race there. And he was able to solidify his position. So you're quite right there. Um, but the road ahead is going to be a challenge for anybody else other than Trump, mm. uh, even for Nikki Haley. So Trump has been able to, you know, have this sort of dominance. And I, I understand why some people might say, you know, he's been facing all these legal challenges. In fact, 91 charges is what he's facing. So right now, the United States is going through a period uh, which it's, it has never happened before in history to have a presidential candidate who is both facing uh, criminal charges and is a candidate for the next presidency of the United States. So okay. the reason is because Trump's followers and his base have long said that they, you know, that they they are not leaving support for him. Um, and, and, and one other reason is, if you look at historically, uh, the nature of the Republican Party going back to former President uh, Ronald Reagan, mm. this is sort of the, the same type of Republican that Nikki Haley is portraying. And unfortunately, that type of Republican that supports the Nikki Haley, that is a non-Trump uh, wing, mm. um, have not sort of put together a compelling alternative narrative to the type of narrative that President Donald okay. Trump is managing to succeed on. And so he has been able to solidify uh, his okay. base. Let's bring Brooke Spector in here because there are quite a few issues I'd like you to just help us get clarity with. So despite the legal challenges, Trump remains a political heavyweight, mainly because of his approach to politics and world affairs. What is that thing that gives him an appeal regardless of all the controversies and legal issues around him, Brooke Spector? Well, I mean, the, let me just add a couple of qualifying things first off the top. The, the caucus election in Iowa and the primary in New Hampshire, a total of under 250,000 votes were cast for Donald Trump. And in two of the states that are least representative of the country as a whole, so uh, you can argue there is a very long way to go, but mm. you, uh, it is also true uh, that that pathway has been considerably shortened uh, because of his, as you call it, his base. That is uh, a good chunk of people who say they are Republicans and who will vote for and support Donald Trump almost regardless of what he has done or threatens to do or is proved in court has done. Um, and much of that is built. There are a couple of factors that go into it. One is a sense of grievance. Uh, the party, the Republican Party, has really transformed itself from a party of uh, conservative, privileged, relatively well-off for the most part, uh, white Americans uh, to a party of people who feel they have been left out or have been pushed out of the, the levers of power or, or are never going to get them. Mm -hmm. And this is less and less a party of 
well-educated people with really good jobs living on the East Coast or the West Coast, and much more people in, in smaller towns, uh, rural areas, in the middle of the country, with, le- relatively speaking, less education, but almost entirely, so far, white Americans. Uh, women are rather less supportive uh, as a whole, in part because of the prominence of the women's reproductive rights issue, uh, abortion. Uh, but as it stands now, the the Trump base is uh, a good chunk of the Republican Party, but that is also just a minority of Americans nationally. And so the battle becomes those people who do not say they are Republicans or Democrats and who preferential or primarily live in about six or seven states where the balance Mm. between the two parties is strong. Okay. So what you're saying is, yes, he has an appeal, but we need to qualify what that appeal looks like. And it's not necessarily a view that is held. His views aren't necessarily held by the majority of Americans, but there are many Americans who are increasingly poor, uh, white, uh, conservative, and who feel like America's changing demographically and makes them uncomfortable. So there's a right-wing element that's coming into the fore. We understand that. But having said it, um, is he a shoe-in or not? It's a yes or no one, Brooks. Uh, To become the Republican nominee, assuming he is not convicted in any one of the four different uh, court cases that that will be ongoing, Mm -hmm. uh, it is... I mean, I would not bet against him being the nominee. I think that's a pretty reasonable guess. Would he win the presidency? That becomes a whole different matter. And that's a function of the ability of his opponent, Joe Biden, the current president, in putting forward a sense that, uh, let's be clear, the economy is doing well for most people in most ways, even if they don't feel it yet coming off of the 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 COVID era and so forth. Uh, But it's going to be a close race, I suspect. uh, And, you know, we'll know when the votes are counted pretty much. Uh, I want to stay with you, Brooks, and then I'll go back to Pearl. Um, Gordon Brown, who's a former uh, UK prime minister, uh, was asked recently, would you consider throwing your hat in the ring in the UK elections later this year? Uh, And he said no, because uh, in Europe, I am too old for politics, and in America, I am too young for politics. And everybody chuckled. But the issue is that the two leading candidates who, by all extrapolations, might emerge as the two candidates for president are both men who are almost, well, who are over 75. And Donald Trump is almost 80, and Joe Biden is over 80. Yeah, no, the, the issue, the geriatric issue or the gerontological uh, question, depending on how you want to put it, is real. Uh, and Nikki Haley, for all her inability to capture uh, the, the voting so far, she's put her finger on the fact that this, you know, the, the choice for Americans should not be between two old men, but the next generation down has got, or two, uh, has got to begin to have a, a share in this. Uh, it, it isn't normal that uh, American elections are primarily uh, among people uh, who, in most circumstances, would have been long retired, mm-hmm. would have been sitting in front of the general dealer's office on a chair, mm-hmm. uh, reading the newspaper and commenting on the world. 
this is a new phenomenon. I, I guess part of it simply is we tend to live longer and we tend to live healthier. Okay. And so if you're in your mid-70s, you don't feel quite as old and creaky as you might have 50 okay. years ago. All right. Uh, Pearl, let me uh, come back to you. And it's not so much about the demographics, but the politics. So even though the economy is doing relatively well and there's been a post-COVID recovery and we even saw the Fed uh, look to re- start to reduce interest rates as a way of stimulating the economy. So on the macro side, things look well. But on the foreign policy side, not so. Joe Biden is really being criticized, taking a lot of flack for his stance uh, in supporting Israel in this Israel-Gaza conflict, in not being um, critical of the atrocities committed by the uh, Israeli Defense Force in Gaza, in not being uh, clear, unequivocal about what he means by violations of international law and how he values the lives both of Israelis and uh, Palestinians. And all of that apparently inside of America, certainly left uh, liberal America, is really starting to make him look an unattractive character. Uh, and in the, in the rest of the world, it's also making people say, but is Joe Biden truly, truly uh, a Democrat in that sense? Um, so a couple of things, right? Um, we monitor the executive branch, the White House, very, very, very closely mm. on a daily basis. Mm. So we have a really thorough and deep understanding about the thinking of these individuals. Mm. I, I just want to add a little bit about um, what Nikki Haley is calling for, and then I'll go straight to your question. Yeah. What Nikki Haley has been calling for is he, she's calling for new leadership in the, within the Republican Party. Mm. That's you know one key point where she's trying to differentiate herself from former President Donald Trump. Yeah. But now more to your question here. Let's, let's just try to dissect a little bit the complexities of the presidential incumbency. So every presidential step, whether on the domestic or foreign, or foreign soil, really does trigger certain ripple effects. And I, and I understand the question regarding uh, these other foreign policy issues. The recent backlash against Biden's mm-hmm. Israel policy illustrates this intricate balancing act that presidents must perform, trying to please all corners while being subject to detrimental counterreactions. Now, uh, previously, what's happening out, uh, you know, on foreign policy hasn't really been those kind of things that do decide uh, an, an American uh, uh, election. Mm. However, this year is a unique year in many, many respects. Okay, mm. um, and so speaking about these counterreactions, Trump is meticulously working to weaken Biden's coalition. Mm. Both Trump and Biden have expanded their party bases since 2020 election. But Biden uh, holds a slightly better record. Trump uh, has made some uh, astute choices, uh, which are the issues that Trump has been focusing on are immigration, the economy, crime, and foreign policy. Mm -hmm. And he's aiming to stoke a perception of a country in chaos, playing into the fears of voters who feel the country is teetering out of control. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like uh, the the way Trump is approaching it. Um, Republicans believe, 
a disillusionment with Biden's sort of liberal agenda. Um, and that might bring back those who had opposed Trump in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so as the potential uh, Trump versus Biden rematch is really does is looming, um, the White House has been strategically mobilizing key constituencies. For example, okay. Vice President Kamala Harris has been at the forefront of trying to focus on women voters and people of color, mm-hmm. especially in the swing states. And Biden, on the other hand, has been sticking to his issues that you can call him his comfort zone, these blue collar area type mm-hmm. issues. He, uh, his recent endorsements, you know, the United Auto Workers Union and, you know, these are the things are sort of strategic wins for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing that to try to counter Trump's attempts okay. to use, indus- you know, okay. these types of industry things against him. But immigration is going to be a big issue. Uh, and, and what in the war in Gaza will definitely be a, a big issue. So okay. Biden faces a delicate balancing act. Yes, while the economy and everything else is doing well, there are other uh, demograph- demographic issues mm. that will be at play. For okay. example, okay. Uh, the Hispanic, Hispanics and the black vote, as well as Asian Americans in, in 2024. Right. Those will be key factors as well, because Hispanics, there's been an estimated 36.2 million Hispanics who are eligible to vote this year, and that is 32.3 million okay. more than in 2020. So these are significant factors. All right. Unfortunately, we have to leave it there, but I'm really grateful for how you framed what's at stake in America and that we're likely to see, as uh, Brooke Spector says, a Trump-Biden rematch. For both of them, immigration then becomes an issue. Foreign policy, especially uh, the situation in Gaza, is going to be an issue. And then demographics around uh, women, uh, Hispanics, um, and the working class as well. So another election to watch. Thanks to Paul Matiba and to Brooks Spector. Time for the news. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.